listening to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Heavy Checklist Podcast. I believe that this is like episode nine or something like that. Ten, episode ten. Episode ten, and we have been religious about this. We've been doing it every single week. We set a goal to record every Wednesday night, and we are killing it. I think we like we haven't missed a week other than Christmas. We kind of juggle some things around, but we are uh, staying consistent. And the reason we're staying consistent is because all of you listeners are providing us amazing feedback, which... I want to give you some of that feedback right now. I want to open the podcast. I'm going to try to do this every week with uh, reading a review from somebody who listened to it and benefited from it. So I'm going to get right into that. This review says, uh, it's funny on how a podcast can impact your life in more ways than you think. From something big like pushing you to set goals and giving you the keys to achieve them to something small like influencing your boyfriend to make your bed in the mornings. LOL. Heavy checklist is really a gem. Once you give it a chance, you'll be hooked. And I really like that review. I think that's a very, uh, it covers pretty much exactly what we're trying to cover, which is we just want to give you these little gems, these little nuggets, things that you can implement in your life that once they start combining and you start kind of like picking up momentum with all these little things, all the big things in your life are just going to start to fall into place. You cannot do anything big without starting small. It just, it doesn't work that way. You have to take baby steps before you take big steps. And so we're here to give you those baby steps. We're also going to give you the big, you know, monster things that you can do. But every single week that we call it the checklist because we leave you with action items. These are marching orders, things that you should like practice, put into practice today. After you're done listening to this, start doing it tomorrow. Do it. Um, because if you start doing these things, you're going to feel better. And it's funny because our checklist items range all the way from Take a cold shower in the morning, learn the benefits of cold water all the way down to, you know, what things that you should do to change on your diet, things that you can do personally uh, to feel emotionally better, forgive a friend. All these things are checklist items that I promise you, if you do them, you will feel better. So we're going to get right into this episode. Obviously, we've got the crew here. We've got Mr. Kenneth Thompson, longtime friend, real estate guru, and all around just good, healthy, positive energy. Yeah, excited about today's episode. This is going to be a good one because we have a good friend here. Uh, but before we get to him, obviously, we've got Mr. Diesel Dave, my partner uh, in life, business, crime. What else? Just about everything you can imagine. Torture. Today was snowmobiling. Yep, partner in snowmobiling. Yeah. Uh, Diesel Dave, fun fact for the crowd, is a terrible snowmobiler, but an amazing timber sledder. I and the I... difference is a snowmobile obviously has the two skis in the front. Timber sled is basically a motorcycle with a track on the back. Uh, and you said something earlier today, which was really kind of interesting to you me. You want me to say it again? Yeah, go ahead. I think I'm a bad snowmobiler because I've told myself yep. I'm a bad snowmobiler. It's in your head. And I've told myself I'm a great timber sledder. You're built, I mean, if you're good at timber sledding, you should technically yep. be good at snowmobiling because you've got the build for it. You're strong. You're heavy. You can throw the sled around. Guys like you do well on snowmobiles. Yep. So that's a total side note, but it, it goes to, you know, it goes to prove that if you tell yourself you can be good at something, you're going to be good at something. And if you tell you're bad, you're probably going to be bad. Yep. So um, outside of that, we've got hey. DJ. Hey, Mr. DJ Marcus Wing. Fun mix. facts about me. I've never ridden a snowmobile my whole life. Really? Yeah, never you, done it. You would hate it. You're a terrible friend. Nah, you Fun would hate it. You've Timber had snowmobiles you do, you since do. I've known you, Hang and on. you've never invited me to go That's snowmobiling. because I've seen you get frustrated, and you get frustrated easy sometimes, and the a snowmobile is very easily. frustrating. Timber sledding, though, I think we should probably get him I out, because so. you would enjoy that. Okay. But you don't really like the cold. I don't like the cold. No. Yeah. Do you Never even have, have snow clothes? Man. Uh, I got like a jacket. Okay, that's not going to cut it. And I got like some work boots. It was like negative seven up there today. Yeah. So not They're really warm. nice work boots. 
I'm more in line with Marcus. Haven't had a lot of great yeah. snowmobile experiences myself. You got to go all in, and you got to you got to push through that first you know year of not enjoying it to get to the point. Like I love it now. It's my like release. Now, did you hate it at first? I don't think so, guys. Huh. You you were always listen, good at it. You listen to what I said. You just got to tell yourself you're going to love it. Okay. You're going to love it. You know, I, I had fun digging myself out all day. I enjoyed it. I was with good friends. It, it's a workout. Yeah. It is a workout. Did I get the trail sled and they all got the high performance <laughs> ones? Maybe. So that leads us, obviously, you know, we've got the regular crew. And then we have somebody very important today who happens to be my personal lawyer. But more than that, I mean, he started as my lawyer, but now we're, you know, good friends, business partners. We do all kinds of stuff together. Mr. Cole Cannon, welcome to the heavy checklist. So the awkward silence, no beatboxing for me. No, just, oh, wait, just, here's on. my here's my lawyer, Cole Cannon, the really boring guy. Wait, he's the law father. We're gonna do, we're gonna add some sound he's the effects, law father. some legal, like the probably the intro to Law and Order. Thank yeah. you. There we go. I don't know how that goes, but I think there's an intro <laughs> dun, dun, song. With, dun, dun. Yeah. So we'll probably give you that if it makes you feel better. <laughs> well, Heavy D, I hope it will bring your reviews down. I know you guys are just killing it with the podcast. So, but to have a lawyer on is risky business. It is risky business, but mm-hmm. it's also something you're that I... Like, lawyer. you're one of the first people I thought of when I thought of doing this checklist. And the reason why is because so many people are so confused about how the legal world works. I remember... In fact, I was giving a, a talk up at a college earlier this morning. And one of the things they asked me was, what do you do when shit hits the fan? What do you do when uh, bad things happen to you? And I told a story about the first time I ever got sued. And me and my wife had been married three months, and we got served papers for some rental agreement on a house that we were living in. And, dude, my whole world stopped. When, you, when your wife calls you and you're at work and she says, honey, there's somebody here trying to sign. They, they, they want to serve you papers. I have to sign for them. That's terrifying if you don't understand the system. Now I get sued on a weekly basis. And, yeah, you're a regular. You're and, a good and that's customer. why we became such good friends. <laughs> but I want to talk about that because there's so many people listening that either are just living their normal life and you know they're, they're tiptoeing around legal stuff or they're, you know, even more importantly, people that are kind of starting to venture out, start their own business, do their own thing. There's a lot of mistakes that are commonly made like right at the outset of starting a business, right? That's absolutely right. And I have to say, you know, first, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for letting me be your clients. I'm looking across the table here. At, we've got Kenny, we've got Diesel, and we've got Heavy. And You represent all of us. I don't know which one I met first, actually. Do you guys know? We knew each other. You didn't represent me Your friend him. introduced yeah, me to him. our mutual uh, So friend. here's how it worked. I and got, I I got some gnarly legal stuff back in 2014. Gnarly. It was a business partner. I think we told the story in the last episode. We did. Um... Business. I was your prior legal counsel. <laughs> you that's were, how I got worked. worked into this. <laughs> An employee, you downgraded to me since. Yeah. So. Employee thought he was partner, freaked out, sued us. I call Kenny. I'm like, what do I do? And he's like, hold on. Let me f- figure this out. You introduced me to... Uh, Jared, who then Jared introduced us yep. to Cole. Cole. And then okay. I called Cole. And dude, that... I got to tell you, that phone call... Because I, my whole world was crashing down. I did not... like Literally everything was on fire. I call you and you're just like... Okay, here's what you're going to do. You give me like three or four things to do immediately. And I was like, oh. yeah, like you hear the terms like fixer. You're hearing a lot with Michael Cohen right now and yeah. Donald Trump and mm-hmm. he was his fixer. And I think I look at myself like a glorified janitor, right? If my job is to make my client's life easy right. and to de-stress them, half the time I'm almost a psychologist more than I'm a, a real lawyer, totally. right? Talking people out of that immediate stress reaction that you're talking about while your wife's calling you and you're getting served with papers and you're freaking out. You know what to do It's like, take a deep breath. Nothing's going to happen immediately. That's the one thing that you've probably learned over this time, for good or bad, our judicial system is terribly, terribly slow and inefficient. So when you get served with a lawsuit, it might be two years before anything real happens to your 
to you in life. Right. Now, I got to give a little quick disclaimer here. I'm not providing legal d- right. advice to our audience. We're talking yep. in general terms, right? Um, but as a general proposition, nothing quick happens. So don't panic. Yep. Don't get served with a lawsuit and call the other side and say, okay, I give up. Right. Get the lawyers off my back. I give up. I surrender. I'll give you anything you want. Don't do that. Um, there's plenty of alternatives. And I think, I almost think that our court system is deliberately built to be slow because it forces people to settle, forces people right. to come to the table and then work out their differences. How, well, more is there a ratio that you think as far as stuff that actually goes to court versus what's settled? I mean, is it, it's, it's staggering, right? I, I actually do have some reasonable statistics at the tip of my tongue. So about 94, 94% of all cases that are started, meaning a lawsuit's actually started, actually make it to trial. Jeez. So only 6% go the distance oh. and get to trial. What tends to happen is the lawyers make their hundred grand or their $150,000. Then, then they force the parties to settle. Now that they've made their right. pound of flesh. Yep. Yep. And that'd be my, my first thing for the checklist. Find a business minded attorney. Uh, yeah. All right. I would tell and them put that on your thing. checklist. Find yep. a business minded attorney. Um, I, I, I like so explain that a little bit more. Yeah, what, what is a business minded attorney? Well, Kenny, if you don't mind, I've, yeah. I've been your attorney for what five years now, and More. you call you call me with Excel sheets, and we brainstorm, and we and we think yeah. outside the box, and I and I hope you view me as a business consultant Absolutely. as much as you view me as the guy who puts pen to paper and writes a trust deed or so a promissory it, note. I think the simpler. Uh, uh, so you are a business wizard, and you know the law. But you also know my business inside and out. And so you know what will work for me, what won't. He actually handles a lot of negotiations with me in, in terms of uh, financing, lending, different things. But I, I, I got to go back to one of the things that uh, he has instilled in me and I think makes him valuable. And this is, to his point, find a business mind an attorney. They're going to mind your wallet. I don't know how many times I've had something come up that was a little alarming. Maybe I was potentially going to get sued or not. Uh, neither here nor there, but <laughs> you guys get sued at the a end lot, of the man. day. No, no, you'd be surprised. I haven't really that many times, but the point is there's been times where I've wanted to kind of maybe, uh, push back and call. Uh, it's only been what one or two times. I think I, I, I normally am like, okay, let's just get this out of our life. But where Cole's strength is, is he's like, no, let's, you know, let's not put energy and money toward that. He could just bill me. Right, Dave? How many times could he just bill us? Yeah. But instead, he, he helps us kind of solve the problem, minimize it, uh, learn from it, and we have a much lower bill. We're not having to go and settle big you know, yeah, claims and things. So it's just a voice of reason. He, he's a voice of reason, but he also, he's careful to not just bill you to death, right? But and, the thing is, you're not going to go out and just find some attorney who's going to do pro bono and just hook you up, especially if he's just a stranger. And you know, But that's why I think, Cole, you say find a business-minded attorney because... Uh, you're talking about somebody who's who's more interested in going the distance with you rather than just getting a one and done deal, making yeah. your money over the long term rather than well, hitting Cole, you Cole one knows time he's going to make way more money working with me as a negotiator than he is going to trial because Cole's hard costs. Like he's got a whole, he's got a bunch of mouths to right. feed. He's got a huge office and a staff. Like that's not the sexy part of your business. That's not what you love to do, right? And we're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast, which is what you really really good at, which is deal-making. You're a good negotiator. But when people are vetting, a listener, somebody who's just listening to this, they're trying to interview and vet through the process of trying to find a good attorney. Is it safe to say, don't hire an attorney unless he's had his own business or he has business ventures outside of being an attorney? I think that's a major plus. If the per- if the lawyer can think like a business, and I, I hate to maybe rag on the big firms, but typically <laughs> the big firms, right, they think 
in the box as strictly lawyers. They don't, they don't think business as business is, people. That's all their business. They get to work, they bill eight hours, they go home. And yep. they actually have to, you might not know it, most big firms require they bill 2,200 hours a year. That means every minute they're in the office, they're billing a client for it. All right, so mm. I try to think, just like you said, think the long term. I'm more interested in the long term relationship than I am pillaging my client for a lot of fees on one particular case. So how do you find that business attorney? I like your idea. Find a biz- find an attorney who has his own business. That could just be their law firm. That could be the right. actual business they own and right. operate. Or ask if they have other business ventures. Don't hesitate to interview four or five attorneys. Right. Yeah. You're getting sued. Most commonly, you have at least 20 days and usually more commonly 30 days to reply. Take time to interview four or five attorneys and get your sense for it. That was the mistake I made when I went on my first lawsuit. I Googled real estate lawyer and I called him and the guy was a total dick, but I was like, oh, he's a dick, so he must be a good attorney. <laughs> Hired him right then and there and all he did was show up a small claims court and offer to pay the guy what the guy was asking for, like, like a $500 <laughs> discount and said it was done. So what are because the I traits? Thought, well, I thought what happened was like, going back to, to the panic <laughs> feeling that you get when you get sued, you think that instantly judge slamming the gavel telling you you're going to jail like you need to understand and this is very basic the difference between civil and criminal law first of all right like when you're getting sued over a dispute with somebody it does the police have nothing to do with it that's right? right the worst they can do is they can take your stuff yeah ultimately if you lose and you lose bad and then they get the sheriff they can go take your stuff your money way down the road yeah way way down the road they can take your cars your trucks your house your your, your bank accounts but right. again that's way down the road no need for the panic button i would even ask during that interview process with the lawyers tell me how your last five cases ended what i want to hear was i settled them for pennies on the dollar yeah and i settled them quickly yep that's what I want to hear from my business-minded attorney. I don't want to hear somebody, oh, I took them to the cleaners. I took all five of them to trial. I, sh- I showed them and proved them was right. Okay, yeah, maybe you win the trial. You won the, you won the war but lost all the battles yeah. along the way. You paid your attorney $200,000 right. over a $50,000 dispute. Yeah, it's, it's true. Silly. And it happens before you even know it. Like, that billing adds up. Because you, as an attorney, you have the ability to bill, like, even texting, don't, can't you? Can you bill like, when someone's getting hold of you for I, example? I text you when I think about you in the shower. <laughs> it's maybe kind oh, of okay. awkward, right, but, well, you know. Do you bill me for the shower time or do shower time freebies? A little freebies? bit of both. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Cole has done such a good job for us as an attorney that we became friends. And we like to do stuff outside of, in fact, the legal side of what we do is, is like, the least talked about and the least... Uh, enjoyable part of our relationship. We have, you know, he does deals for us. He goes out and negotiates big contracts, big deals. Um, so find yourself an attorney that is much more than just an attorney. You got to be somebody who has vested interest. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the guy, but um, somebody who's going to be genuinely looking out for like you and your cash flow and your time and your energy. Um, and that's the only way you're going to be able to find that guy is by, like you said, interviewing. How, so. how do you know though? Because so these guys are all on businesses where they've used you, obviously, and probably other, you know, attorneys, or I I don't know the correct term. I own a business, but I've never dealt with law at all. So if I had to pick a a lawyer, besides, I I just wrote that down because I thought it was cool. Ask the last five case outcomes. What are some of the other qualities or traits that you're looking for in an attorney to represent you, you know? Well, a couple of things you could ask is, you know, how much is your retainer amount? Make sure you can afford the attorney. Ask how much their billable hourly rate is. What's a standard retainer? 
2500 The typical and lawyer, what is it, that? it depends. A retainer is the amount of money you have to pay up front to take the case. So it's a lot easier to get into a case than it is to get out of a case as a, an attorney. So if you bring to me a big federal lawsuit, you've got 30 people suing you because they think your podcast is defaming them or whatever, <laughs> um, you know, I might require a fifteen dollars or $20,000 retainer because once I'm in, I actually have to ask for the judge's permission to get out. So I want to make sure I've got enough money in my trust account to keep me going. Attorneys are held to some wild standards. The other thing is um, I would seek, if you've never been, you're a business owner, but you've never actually hired a lawyer, you certainly have friends. And at this table, you have four of them, right? Yeah. We're we're friends now, by the way. Oh, man. So you can ask for a referral. That, that, That speaks volumes. Most people who have been seasoned business people have hired one, two, three lawyers throughout their time and they know the difference in a good one and a bad one yeah. and then take their referral for as a pound of gold. I mean, yeah. I would ask a friend every time. So Yeah, and that's the beauty like of our relationship. I'll come to you sometimes with certain legal questions and you'll refer me to somebody else. You'll tell me, look, flat out, you, there's better trademark attorneys or there's you know other attorneys that do trademark more specifically than our firm does, so go use them. And that's valuable because I don't want to pay you to do something that you're not necessarily the best at. I want to have the best of every you know aspect of, of law working on what we've got going on. And, I, and you want your attorney to believe in your case and have your back. So just with all due respect, trademarks are incredibly boring to me. Like right. I just hate doing right. it. It's like changing tires. I don't know what the boring thing in your, everything right. you guys do is exciting. What am I talking about? <laughs> Kenny, you know, maybe it's mudding houses, right? Like that's a terribly boring job, but somebody's got to do it. Trademarks I find are boring. And, I, and not only can I hand you off to an attorney who focuses on that and therefore can do it cheaper than mm-hmm. I can because of economies of scale, and efficiency, but um, I want to be passionate about the things that I do for you guys. I want to believe in your case and fight for you, or negotiate that deal and be a real stakeholder in that in that outcome of the of the transaction. So, my personal edification. Another question you could ask your twenty: Are you interested in this area of law? Do you find this interesting? So, yeah. Got- what are you passionate <laughs> about? I mean, it circles back to just like in, in interviewing an employee, right? I mean, what are your passions? What drives you? What part of law do you like or not like? Why don't you do this other kind of law? Yeah, and the problem with what we're doing right now is we're painting a beautiful picture for our listeners because we have a great attorney. Cole, you're, you're an awesome attorney, a good businessman. Uh, it's it's going to take you some time to find that person who represents you that you feel comfortable with, but it's worth doing your due diligence. It's worth, like like you said, go through the interview process and find the guy who's a good fit for you. Um, and if, they don't, if they're not great, can you fire an attorney? Great question. I was going to segue into that. Um, so a lot of times, in fact, I had dinner with a guy that spent 45 minutes ragging on how terrible his ter- attorney was for the last two years. And I'm thinking, dude, why don't you just fire your attorney and get a new attorney mid-case? And this is like a huge case. Uh, I wasn't lobbying for the work or anything. In fact, I didn't want his case. But uh, a lot of people don't know that you can terminate your attorney midway through. The attorney will have to get permission from the court, but they can usually get out. The downside of doing that is then you have to pay a new attorney to get up to speed. So a lot of people feel like, oh, crap, I've, I've paid John Doe all this money. He knows my case. I can't bail on him now. But if he's terrible and not getting you the results you need, and by the way, if you're six months in, eight months in, you, by that time you will have had a couple hearings, you're going to know if you're winning or losing. You'll have this sense for it. And, and don't be afraid to, to jump ship. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's important because a lot of people, I remember when I first started looking at law, it, it's just this big, confusing, scary animal. And so the purpose of this podcast is to help simplify that and help you understand um, some of the basics. So let's take John and Mike. 
these two guys want to go into business together. We see this all the time, okay? Uh, this is a hypothetical situation. They say, we've got this great idea. We want to start a business. First mistakes that I see, now I'm not an attorney, but the first things that I see happening is they instantly go, okay, great idea, 50-50, we're partners. Dude, can you explain to me what the problems are with the okay. you know with startups like that? Okay, so so business like real life marriage relationships is very similar. It's a lot easier to get married than it is to get divorced. We all agree. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. we yep. we can go we can meet somebody in Vegas and that same night go get married in Elvis's chapel and we're married. Life's good at least for that night. Yeah. And then three months later, we want an annulment. We want a divorce. Life's not so simple. It gets a lot more complicated. That's the same way it is with business and, 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 and friends. So we're quick to get married because we, you know, John and Mike are excited about their business venture. They want to get going. So I'll just give you a couple pointers because my first and foremost goal for my clients is to keep them out of the courtroom. That's not a good place for them. It's not a good use of their money. It's not a good use of their resources. And as an attorney, a good attorney, I want you guys to be viable, solvent, be making money, not spending money. So keep clients out of the courtroom is the number one goal. What I found is a couple things. Number one, good contracts make good friends. Um, there's this misnomer in life that in order to enforce a, an, a contract, you have to have a written enforceable contract. But right. actually, in real life, in court, a text message can be a contract. Right. Uh, a verbal agreement can be a contract. Mm-hmm. If I say, hey, hey, heavy, come paint my white picket fence for mm-hmm. $1,000, and no text message, nothing, but then you come paint my white fence, guess what? I owe you a thousand bucks. Right. You have performed on the co- our oral agreement, right. if you will. So there are two things. There's agreements. We make those all day long, and there are contracts. Contracts are nothing more than a written version of an agreement. Take time, John and Mike, whoever you are out there, to get a contract of some sort and some things to think about while you're doing that. Number one, who's going to put the money up? All right. right. Now, usually people know, John and Mike, at first we're both going to put in $5,000. We're going to buy a screen printer. We're going to print some T-shirts or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then who's going to pay the next $5,000 if we run out of money? Right. Who's, who's, going to be, who's going to be the money bags here? And what if John doesn't have money, but Mike does when you guys need more money? Does that mean that Mike automatically gets more of the company, right. more of the partnership? Mm-hmm. So this doesn't have to be, if you don't want to spend the money on lawyers, um, I respect that. I will tell you, it is probably to the 10th power cheaper to hire a lawyer <laughs> at the beginning. Yep. And Heavy, you know this more oh, than anybody else. Oh, yeah. In the beginning than it is after the fact. A partnership dispute will cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And not only that, though, it'll ruin your life in a lot of ways. A lot of negative energy. So much negative energy. We see so many people that are so unhappy, and it consumes them. I remember uh, Judge K, I believe, uh, we were in mediation, and, and one day, remember, he told us about the guy that was having the problem with the Rocky Mountain Power or something like that. And he spent his like life savings and all of his time and all of his energy and ended up getting divorced because he was fighting with the power company over a freaking tree that was growing in his yard. And he said this guy fought this this case for like ten years, and he, and he just talked about how this man's life just literally like legal battle consumed him and and made this person super miserable. So I mean that's a very drastic thing, but it happens. Like legal and disputes and arguments are draining. They are and and. When we talk about the cost of litigation, I try to, I actually talk people out of lawsuits much more than I talk them into them. A lot of people, attorneys will see dollar signs walk in the door when somebody walks in fuming mad, they want to go sue the whole world and get justice, whatever that means to them. But if you take time to say, not only is it going to cost the actual monetary expense of paying the lawyer, but the cost to you 
Diesel Dave, of the stress, the pain, the anger, the, the negative feelings, right? You have to consider that as a real cost. What effect is that going to have on your business now, mm-hmm. carrying that negativity around with you? And lawsuits aren't just lawyers going to work. I'm bugging you guys for documents all the it's, time. It's the worst. And, and give me your hard drives to copy. I want your phones. I need your text well, message. It's a lot of work. <laughs> That's one thing that people don't realize. When you get sued, um, let's say you, John and Mike have a partnership dispute, okay? Um, Mike can sue John. And then Mike's attorney can go to John and say, I want all this information. Give me, give me literally stuff that you wouldn't tell you know, your wife. And by law, it's called a discovery request. You have to get that information, right? Yes, you get, with some you, limitations. Right. Yes, yes. But when you get sued, like, there's no more closed doors. Like, it, everything is out in the open. So um, keep in mind that, you know, that that's one of the bad parts, the downsides of getting sued. I always try to play down getting sued simply because it usually never makes it that far. But in the 4% you know, chance that it makes it to trial, uh, it's exhausting. And it's, it's like mentally just draining. Um, that discovery process is probably the worst thing I've ever been through in my entire and life. And I would say, you know, we're saying 6%, actually it's 4 or 6% actually gets to trial, but more like 30 or 40% gets to discovery. Yeah. And so that, that pain and suffering that you do as the client, that's real. That's, yeah, that's the happen. first thing that happens, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's one of the very first thing that happens. So you have to go through all that. It's the worst part of lawsuits. Well, I hate it, but that's where the attorneys make a ton of money because right. it's complicated and it's everything time. else. And so again, our goal for John and Mike is to make sure to never get them in dispute territory. We want to be able to think of it this way. You're not planning your marriage. You're planning your funeral. Just a short written contract. Even if it's a one pager. You know, an exit hand, handwritten, you know, both signed by both parties. I've enforced a lot less than that. I've yeah. enforced text messages. I've, I've enforced the you paint my fence oral contract. Right. I've done all of those things. So just uh, give yourself some expectations because, again, good contracts make good friends. So, number one, think about how, how much money will be put in by each partner initially. Okay. Number and, two, and commit to that. Yeah. Right. Like if you're, if you're, this contract means that John, John says, I'm going to put in up to 10. Mike says, I'm going to put up in up to 10. It doesn't mean that's what you're putting in day one, but be prepared for your worst case scenario. Cause you're, that's what you're mapping out right now is your worst case scenario. Yep, exactly. And then what happens if there's an unequal contributions? I'm assuming that John and Mike are 50, 50, like lots of us right. are with our buddies. Okay. Um, but what if there's an un- uneven contribution, maybe one that's not planned, you know, you fall on hard times, John can't pay the bills, he's got to pay his mortgage, can't put more money into the company. So one suggestion is Mike could say, hey, if I have to put in more money on like round two, we'll call it, mm-hmm. that's just a loan to the company. Yep. And I'm going to get paid 15%. That'll just be a loan to the company. Mm-hmm. Or if, the, if John and Mike say, you know, if, if Mike has to put up more money, then he gets an extra 10% of the company. But just plan that eventuality that things won't because they don't in real life. They don't go as planned. No. <laughs> so, so think about planning your funeral. As, as depressing as that might sound, I promise you it'll save you heartache later on and it'll help you manage expectations with your friends. Okay. Also, Lots of times in startups, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that we put into things. It's a lot of our right. effort, right? The work. Marcus, you probably know. I mean, yeah. more than anybody here, right? So we're putting in lots of time. Um, what is the time expectation? And is Mike getting compensated like an hourly rate? Is John getting paid a salary? Are we both agreeing to not take any salaries? Is John going to be resentful of Mike if Mike's not putting in the same level of hours and Mike's off snowmobiling yes. while John's in the office? Yes. You, you hear what Resentment I'm saying? happens quickly. Yeah, it does. So... 
you know, what I think makes sense is you both agree, hey, my time's worth $20 an hour and your time's worth $20 an hour. Or maybe one party's worth $50 an hour and the other's worth $20 an hour. But come up with a reasonable basis for the compensation. And then if you ever get into that... And you don't have to pay yourself that right away. Yeah, sure. Like you, the one thing that I learned is you can actually earn a salary like and, and basically back pay that once the company does have that money. Now, if your company never makes the money, you're not going to get paid that. But it, it's smart to compensate yourself from day one, Right. I mean, I think a lot of people are always afraid to like pull money out of the business right away. But what happens is I see so many people go out and start grinding, 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 and then the scale gets lopsided. That's what I was going to say. The scale gets lopsided. How do you manage and make sure that the scales tip evenly, right? That you draw out those roles. And, and it, as long as it's written out from the very beginning, because I think that was my hardest thing with partnerships. One person always feels like they're working harder than the other right. or contributing more. So if it's all written out and mapped you can make sure those scales are tipping evenly, right? And if I'm your business partner, Marcus, we have the podcast thing going on. Mm-hmm. I want you to be ex- excited to work, even if I'm not. So we have in our contract an alignment of interest that you know you're getting paid $20 an hour or $100 an hour, whatever we negotiate. And I'm stoked on that. And you're, you're pumped. Right. And I'm happy that you're pumped because that's building my business and my value and you don't feel like I'm taking advantage of you. Right. So I don't have to have this conversation about when I go snowmobiling and I feel guilty about doing it. You know, And you're, you're up work, working hard. You, know, you have your, that sort of predetermined. I mean, the reason we're talking about this, guys, is because this is stuff that happens I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this. I've been involved in this personally where the expectations don't meet reality and that's when things get bad because uh, businesses and friendships and partnerships never really have problems until money comes in. It's never an issue because you're not making any money. You're both grinding it out. But when that first $100,000 comes in and it's there's some meat on the bone there, that's when John looks at Mike and says, hey, man, I... Uh, I feel like I deserve seventy five thousand. Obviously, yeah. I mean, that's it, it. Just this is this is one of the most common things I see happen. So um, you just avoid this by day one doing the contract. This is just very simple. Again, my advice is actually spend a couple thousand dollars, have an attorney brainstorm with you on some ideas that might come up. Because, yeah, what should you expect to spend on that? You know, if you guys had a little business venture, you wanted to get things started, you might spend, again, a good business attorney will say, let's spend the amount of attorney's fees commiserate with how big your business is. You have a brand new startup, I'm going to say, let's spend $2,500 to do a partnership agreement. Okay. Then when you guys sell your first $50,000 of stuff, then let's talk about trademarks. Then let's talk about holding companies and intellectual property companies and Delaware corporations. You know, I'm not, I had a a client, a potential client come in. He said, man, I just hired this law firm downtown. He brought all these leather bound books. And I said, gosh, how much did you pay for those? He said, $24,000. Wow. I said, how much revenue do you have? Well, we haven't turned a dollar yet. So he charged you, your first $24,000 expense was to a lawyer? And you haven't made it turn a dollar in revenue yet? Dude, he got sold. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah he got sold. They had all these weird trusts and third-party things. And-, and I think that's one thing that a lot of our listeners, I didn't know this, um, attorneys will try to upsell you on, on services and things like that, and like the trusts and all that kind of stuff. Things that you might not need right away, but they know they can bill you for it. Uh, there are firms out there that are going to do that. And so you got to be aware of that. Just, uh, you know, if you're operating on a budget, you got to learn what the basics are that you need, get those, and then not sign up for more that you don't, you know, don't Kind of like sold. when you go to Taco Bell and they're like, oh, you put in your order for number five with the chicken quesadilla and two tacos. And they're like, yeah, but would you like a churro? And you're Just like, gotta get the churro. Well, hold on, well, how much is the churro? Is hey, would you like to upside your drink? That's where you know I always stand my ground. I stand my ground on the like, drink. No, I want a medium. But I mean, if they're going to give me a deal on a churro, then I'm going to. I'll probably take the churro. So. I think it's like a buck. I mean, you throw the churro on for sure. How you much is it if I churros. if I buy it with that? But like by itself. 
Uh, I think it's like a $3 churro. I'll take it for a dollar. Yeah, sorry, man. So I didn't mean to go off the if course. If your attorney there. offers you a $1 churro, take it. That, is that what we're taking away from that? <laughs> I will friend. give you some, some advice, though, and us lawyers kind of hate it. Your cheapest legal advice is take a lawyer to lunch. Hey, take pal, can I take you to lunch? lunch? I'm writing that down. Right? So you'll spend $30 at lunch, and you just saved yourself $300. Because they can't bill you for that? Well, it's so your initial thing. It's awkward for an attorney to bill you for a lunch, huh. especially if you're like mm. treating. Let me get that we bill. We should start and, and, and to lunch. Right, you didn't hear that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you can ask them certain questions. And you're get, there. You have a captive yeah. audience. Yeah, you just yeah. ask some questions. You're just hanging out with your buddy. Oh, I'm sorry, lawyer community. I sold you out. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a common one we deal with is do we bill that guy for that lunch? He paid for my lunch. And the answer is usually no. So you end up huh. giving away an hour of free, free that advice. Is, that is good information. Mm-hmm. So um, outside of this contract, is there anything else on the contract that they should be looking at? Yeah, so we talked about how much money up front. Right. Number two, how much money if there's continued expenses. Number three, personal compensation. That goes to hours put in. Yeah. And number four, I want to go to dispute resolution. Yes. Um, it's worth putting a short paragraph that says, if we have irreconcilable difference, if we have to get divorced... We're going to be big boys about it, yep. and we're going to go to mediation. Yep. We covenant, both of us, will go to mediation in good faith because mediators are very skilled, usually retired judges is who they are. Right. They come in, and they beat the tar out of both of them. John, you're a big dingbat. You shouldn't go with this. Mike, you know your, your position's weak. You guys would both be better off not spending $200,000 to these lawyers who are ready to take your money yeah. and get this thing resolved right here And now. how much is mediation? You might spend... all in for a day of mediation. That beats the heck out of $400,000. Oh, yeah. So you have a dispute resolution, so people cannot just go fire off a lawsuit. They must sit down with you with a professional mediator. And if they tried, the the judge would look at that contract and say, nope, you guys agreed to this. Get out of my courtroom. Exactly. They force you out. Yep. And then you you do it. And you'll be surprised. Um, Usually in disputes, there's two truths. We all like to think that we have, you know, God and justice and eagles on our side, (laughs) you know, and we've put it right. And that Mike's the bad guy or John's the bad guy. But usually there's two truths that that they both actually have a reasonable perspective if you're willing to look at it from their perspective. And, and a mediator will help you be a little more objective about your, about your plight. Right, yeah. That's huge. Um, so that's business, obviously, putting together an agreement and contract. Um, Can I ask him one question? Yeah. I'm, I'm totally intrigued because, uh, like, like most of the listeners, I feel like if they do own a business, it's probably a small one, and they've never dealt with attorneys. This is kind of embarrassing to say, but in all of my doing business, I own you know, a sound and lighting company, do events, I've never written a contract for between me and like someone I do business with. So not necessarily like a partner, but what do you suggest for that? Like I don't have a contract. I don't know where to start. I don't know what I should say in it, but I know that I've been burned a couple of times. Luckily, not very much, but I know a contract in that case for a small business is something that would be very beneficial. So we get that a lot. We get like a lot of contractors say, gee, I do the same type of business. I'm doing lighting shows. It's the same yes. thing. And they come in and say, I'm just getting burned. They don't pay me on time or they, they don't pay the deposit or they don't get the insurance I need. They don't give me access to my property and you know, whatever you typically have in your business, the same recurring problems that come up. So take inventory of those problems, identify what they are, and then go to a lawyer. One thing we didn't talk about in hiring a lawyer, don't be bashful about saying, I've got a $2,500 budget. What can you do for me with $2,500? We like to maybe think, I got to impress this lawyer. I got, I'm a big right. businessman. I got money to spend. Don't Forget that. They'll just see dollar signs. Be honest. Be honest. Tell them I've got twenty five hundred. What would you do with twenty five hundred dollars? And then I would say to you, Mark. Well, tell me about your business. Tell me what the biggest three problems you have in your business. You right. tell me, and I'd say, okay, with twenty five hundred dollars, what I can do. In fact, for a thousand dollars, I'm going to, to do your one page purchase contract. 
uh, or your purchase orders for your shows, your service contracts. And I'm going to make this a fillable form. So at any time in the future, all you have to do is fill in the name. You don't have to come back to me every time you get a contract. I'm giving you a one size fits all. You can go change the name, change the amounts, and I'm going to leave a couple blanks in here for some custom things if you want to handwrite some little goodies in for your for your customers. And that typically could cost as little as a thousand dollars. A thousand bucks, four hours, nice little contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you? Well, well, let me just pause. We did this, in fact, for your invoices, your purchase orders when people order custom oh, yeah. trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a purchase order where people buy shocks and wheels and tires and roll cages, whatever. We've just looked at that one paragraph at the bottom of the purchase order, and I've just taken a look and I've blessed that. Right. I think he paid me like two, me two hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah, all in. Hour, yeah. And that's been a great contract for us. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. What other basics are people need to be looking at um, starting a business or even like talk general enough that maybe people that aren't running a business but just need to learn how to use the legal system efficiently? Yeah, so a a thing that a lot of people don't do because they might be starting a craft business out of their own house, you know, they might be teaming up with their wife even as their partner, is they don't take time to actually form a company because they don't know how. (laughs) This is is actually a really easy thing. Most states want you to form a a business because they actually get some tax revenue off of it. So if you just Google how to form a business in California, how to form a business in Utah, wherever it is you are, the states usually make that a pretty easy online process. Yeah, you can do it online in Utah. I mean... When I first started our businesses, I'd go down to the state. I'd go and you know do the whole filing and stuff. But I learned that from you that you can literally just go on the internet, and in thirty minutes, you can have an EIN number. You can have you know uh, articles of incorporation. Yeah, and the reason that's really important to, to have a company is if I make uh, let's say tires, given our current audience here, if I make tires and I'm just John and Mike's tires, and somebody blows a tire and they have heaven forbid a wrongful death on the freeway. They're going to sue John and Mike and take them for everything they're worth. Right. Where if you would have taken 30 minutes to form your company online, John and Mike's tires, still the same old John and Mike we all know and love. Uh, then when somebody, you know, absent extraordinary circumstances, has a wrongful death situation, they sue John and Mike's tire company. Right. And you have insulation. You have limited liability is the term that we which use. Is, which is what LLC stands for. That's limited right. A limited liability, liability company. company. Now, uh, there are ways to pierce that, to get through that. There are. Um, limited liability companies are actually among the hardest to pierce because you don't have to have annual meetings. You don't have to have shareholder minutes and all these sorts of things. Other formalities, it's a lot more relaxed. You'll want to make sure that most of your money that runs through that account is business expenses. So if you want to take money for yourself, pay a distribution to yourself. John takes $5,000 as profit and then sends it to his personal bank account. And from there, he's paying his grocery bill. He's right. paying his whatever. Don't just use the, the, the company, John and Mike's Tires, as your piggy bank for right. all of your personal expenses. Oh. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's big. Like, it's never a problem until it is. And when it is, it's a big problem. So it's just, there's, these are just basics, like very simple things. In fact, I think what we're going to probably do with you, Cole, is, um, open up a panel to some of our listeners to hit us with questions. And then we're going to have you back on another podcast to be able to hit some of those very direct, specific things. I try to avoid giving information that I think people need. Instead, I like to wait for people to come to us and say, hey, how do you do this? What, how does this work? And then we can really make an impact because if one person has that question, it usually turns out that a thousand people have that question. Um, and so that is something that we definitely want to do if you're open to coming back and, and talking again. During lunch. During well, lunch. Well, I'll <laughs> yeah. charge you for that yeah, lunch. No, that's, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll buy lunch. Um, so that's, that's one thing that we will get into. Um, I also want to talk about, and we're not going to get there quite yet, but like you, you know, you're a deal maker, you're a negotiator. And part of being a good lawyer is being a good deal maker because that's what settling is. 
all you're doing is convincing the other party that what you're offering them is as good as they're going to get, or it's a great deal or whatever it is. Right. I mean, a lot of it is I, one of the a guy that I, I really look up to once told me that, um, he's a guy that should be sued a lot and he has been sued a lot, but he's never had anything go even past the, you know, the first stages of being sued because he's a great talker. He like, rather than getting fired up and saying, you'll hear from my attorney and then avoiding the situation, he calls him and talks it out. And he like, there's a lot of power in just talking things out. Right. At a hundred percent. So can I tell a little story yeah. here? This is a real life story. I'll try, I'll try to be brief. I'll keep it with three minutes. There was a, a woman named Janice and she was a, she's an old grandma and she was a guarantor on a lease. So her grandson was renting some warehouse space and she was co-signed on the lease. You all with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the grandson wasn't the best tenant and he got behind on his fees and everything. And eventually my client, the landowner had to evict the grandson. And it wasn't the most peaceful eviction, but eventually there was an eviction. And there was about a $100,000 bill that was outstanding. And my client, the landlord, said, hey, grandson, pay the bill. Grandson didn't have the money. So eventually we had to file this lawsuit. We sued not only the grandson, but we sued the grandma. And I hate suing grandmas. That's not, that's not any fun for anybody. But, <laughs> Sounds terrible. But I had, I had a duty, right? Yeah. And she was a guarantor on this lease. So we, we won against the grandson very quickly. Um, it was undisputed that, that he owed us the money. Well, now the grandma owes us the money. We spend the next 18 months going all the way to trial. It was part of the 6%. And I'm thinking, why are these lawyers letting this poor woman go to trial? We're going to win. It's, this is black ink on white paper. This is, and I, I felt bad for grandma, and yeah. I'm thinking, just settle this case. Under the pre- professional rules, I could never speak directly to grandma, although I wanted to. I had to deal with the attorneys. So sure enough, we get to the trial. We win everything. Attorney's fees, post-judgment interest. We get you know $130,000 judgment or something. Then grandma appeals the case. The chances of winning on appeal is 6%. All right, this woman's really doubling down on this very small percentage takes us to appeals and she spends another twenty thousand dollars i'm like well we're going to win again we'll get more attorney's fees i guess but man i'd love to settle this case finally the appellate court realizing this is a dumb small case that they don't want to have anything to do with they force us into mediation this is the first time i can talk face to face with grandma i cross-examined her so i did have that but that's Mm. a very unfriendly you're in court this is the first time i can have a conversation with her and guess what she wants to settle this whole case she says, I have my checkbook here. I don't care about the 120. I'll pay the whole bill, everything I lost, attorney's fees, interest, and everything. But I want you, landlord, to pray to Jesus tonight to apologize for what you've done to my grandson and repent. That's all she wanted. Didn't care about money. Okay, this is a true story. She gave us a check. Right, we, deal. You know, we acted like that was right. a big concession, right. right, of course. But she cut out her check. I got paid. My client got paid. I went right to the bank, straight from the courthouse and to the bank. And your client found Jesus. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said to my landlord client, I said, you had better do as you promised. And you're going to get on your knees and you're going to tell Jesus what he did. Now, he wasn't afraid that that was a wrong thing that he did, but he, I, I hope he did it. I don't know. There's no enforcement. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, Things get emotional real quick uh, when it comes to legal stuff. And and she probably, well, I mean, she obviously did. She legitimately thought that that was the one thing that she had to stand her ground on. And she did. And she was willing to spend hundreds of thousands to fight it. And the shame, you talked about communication, this man that you looked up to that just talks things out. And that's what I'm trying to reinforce. Right. I agree with you 100%. If people take time to communicate, if I could have just sat down for five minutes with this woman before this trial started, two years before. Yep. And just realize that she would have paid the late fees without a trial if we just would have, you know, took it up with Jesus. 
Life's easy. So the power of why, W-H-Y, asking why you're fighting us, asking why this matters to you. Mm -hmm. And and that communication is so important. So some of the ways that you can mediate and communicate would be through, obviously, a paid mediator. Um, If it's a big situation and you really got to work through it. Are there other ways that people can can work through things and communicate? If they're not, if I'm mad at you and you're mad at me, we're not going to have a productive conversation. Um, any other ways that you would suggest? Yeah, so that's where that's where lawyers can be good. I mean, lawyers can be mediators in themselves. I might right. be your lawyer, and right. then Kenny might have a different lawyer, and we might get together and hammer it out. But we try to be level headed and say, "Hey, lawyer, how can we help our clients resolve this problem?" You well, know, I, this- I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times we've been in legal disputes, and there's been you know emotions running high. And uh, the other party that you know I'm I'm not getting along with, they'll make an offer to that if it came to me, I would just say f you, you can go to hell. This is the worst thing ever. But it'll go to their attorney, then it'll go to you, then you'll bring it to me, and you'll package it a little bit more neatly than how they actually said it. And I still don't love it, but it comes to me in a less emotional form, and I'm able to like talk through it with you, and then you can take it back to their attorney, and the message gets like massaged a little bit on the way, you know, over to them, rather than you and I just yelling at each other because you, we'd get to a point where we just we're not going to talk, and I think that's the biggest mistake people make is not talking. And it doesn't have to be lawyers or mediators. Usually, if John and Mike get into a dispute, they have a mutual friend mm-hmm. somewhere between them. They've right. got a mutual friend. And you can reach out to that person and say, can you help us bridge our communication gap? Because that mutual friend doesn't really want to pick sides. He, can see, he or she can see it from both sides of the coin. And let, let's have lunch, says mutual friend. Let's all get together and have lunch. And I'm going to be the guy that kind of tempers the conversation and kind of mediates that for right. you. So that would be the free option. So step out. one... Probably some of the best legal advice that I'll give somebody, I'm not a lawyer, keep in mind, is talk it out. Just I'm going to kind of recap what we just talked about for the last 10, 15 minutes is, is talk it out, right? And let me, let me pause there. A lot of people are afraid, gee, if I, talk, if I go have a meeting with my adversary, they're going to use the information against me if I'm too open book with them. Or they're going to try to um, use this as an admission from me in court. If I come and say, sorry, Kenny, I, I, I took advantage of you. You're, I, I got you on a recorder. I'm going to admit this to the court. If you can say that we're meeting for purposes of settling, there's a rule called Rule 408 that says anything that's said in a settlement communication is not allowed in court. Isn't that great? Pretty good rule. Is that a federal rule? It's a federal and state rule. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, there's both. So the reason is the courts want to encourage open dialogue and don't want you to be penalized for communicating openly with your counterpart. That's awesome. So you have this, you know, and and maybe to protect yourself to make sure that this is communication, you send a text message before, I'm willing to meet with you for lunch to talk about settlement. Just get it in writing somewhere that you're talking settlement. Right. And then whatever you talk about that lunch, again, barring extraordinary circumstances, would be covered by that privilege, that settlement communication privilege. That's awesome. So a lot of people are scared to do that type of open talking, but you don't need to be. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, what I'm trying to do is break down this barrier and this big, huge wall of fear that people have, thinking, you know, I remember the first time somebody said, you'll hear from my attorney. It's, it's scary because I don't understand it. Like, all I, all I pictured was, like, me losing everything I owned. Um, it's, it's not as scary and daunting, as intimidating as you think it is if you can start to learn how the system works and understand that nothing happens immediately. So, mm-hmm. um this is an opportunity for us to recap a little bit. We've talked about things move very slowly in the court process, um, in the whole legal, if you get sued. Um, and 
like you said, there's two truths. Just because somebody feels like they've got a good case against you doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to get a slam dunk and take your home or take everything you own. So um, I think a lot of people think, you know, when they hear legal problems or somebody says they're going to, you know, threaten to sue them or whatever it is, um, just don't get that knee-jerk reaction. I can't emphasize that enough. Just breathe and and realize that it's not the end of the world. Well, and a quote that Cole always tells me is the best offense is a good defense. There it is. So uh, do you remember the first time I called you uh, about a panicky situation? I actually can't. That's how uneventful it was for me. But that's good. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, fast forward to now of us working together and everything. And I mean, if I had a check, if I, if I could add a checklist to this, it would be to build your team. You know, because in real life, you don't, you have real resources. You're not um, in a testing center taking a test alone. In real life, you get resources and relationships. And so one of mine is an attorney, accountant, CFO, uh, mentors, positive influences, things like that, right? You're, not, you're never going to go to war alone. You're never in this alone. So, I mean, even the first phone call I had with Cole uh, relieved so much. Just same exact story that Dave just shared or Heavy just shared. But I also, you know, I mean, fast forward to the team that's been built. You handle how many situations I don't even usually even know about at times. Uh, That's a fact. Yeah. yeah and it's getting to the point that I don't know about it. My staff knows about yeah. it and your yeah, staff you, knows about you it. But these are small legal, problems. You yeah. just told me about a legal problem that I had that I didn't even know I had before we started the podcast. We got a cease and desist from a company. Yeah. Uh, Stan Socks? Can we Stan Socks, yeah. yeah. So we can say that. Yeah. You, you guys made some socks. Yeah. They took issue with it because you had the little, little circular logo with DP in it. Yeah. Producer Power, of course. And they have their little circle logo. That's, I had no idea about and, this. And this is one that we, I'm very confident we will prevail on. You don't get to just monopolize where a circle goes. Right, right. <laughs> Circle's a pretty ubiquitous uh, uh, mark. So, you know, we'll call them, we'll talk about it. Right. A more litigious lawyer would just be like, well, wait and sue me and I'm going to sue you back. Right. We pick up the phone, we're talking to them, we're yep. working through it, life's easy, right? But um, you, I, I think that's a good point, Kenny. Building your team, and eventually if you can build that lawyer, it might take you two or three to go through, you can build that lawyer. You know I take your calls at 10 at night, right, Kenny? Always. This guy, he'll answer my text. And by the way, we're not giving out Cole's info, right? Because, I mean... No. No, we don't he's, want... He's got limited time. Cole, and Cole and does need not this. need any more business. No. <laughs> Just one more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll tell you a From secret. the big guy over here in the corner. <laughs> yeah. He said it first. We are friends. That's yeah, true. Uh, we are friends. I'll tell you a secret. You know you got a good lawyer... When you tell him that he should up his rates. Yeah. He does. Kane tells me all the time. I've told him for years because I want him to answer my calls and maybe not all the other people's. Right. <laughs> yep. I mean, we've tried to buy coal yeah. multiple times. Yes. I mean, just to have him to our, all to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But th- that's, that's the relationship you want to have with your attorney. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, like I said, we will have another podcast where people can submit basic legal questions. And I would love to just kind of help people out, help understand how the system works. But I want to get to the sexy part of what you do, which is why you're such a good lawyer, which is what one of my favorite things in this world to do is watch you in the courtroom litigate. Now, litigating means it's when the lawyer gets up there and he very eloquently presents his case and talks to the judge. And that's when you get the your honor and uh, the, all the, like, the court, like the formal court process. But um, a good lit- litigator really is just a good negotiator and a good talker, um, and which is why you're so good at tying deals together for our company. So let's talk about making deals. Uh, let's talk about convincing somebody to go with what you're trying to sell them. 
Oh my, this is, you know, I teach a whole 16 week course on this. <laughs> exactly. I, I came You've straight, got 20 minutes. <laughs> I've got stra- I came straight from class teaching. I teach a professional negotiations course at the University of Utah. And this is a, a very broad question you're asking, of course. Scratch the surface for us. And it, you know, it touches really on economics and psychology and strategy and preparation. But I'm going to have you guys guess. What do you think the number one skill of a negotiator is? Listening. Okay, you have no listening, Marcus? I'm going to go ahead and say uh, physical stature. You okay. know what I mean? You know, I, I see why you would ask that. giant man, uh-huh. you know what I mean? I'm going to jump on the listening ship. Okay. Number one skill of a negotiator, I'm going to say, is probably... I changed my mind. Not getting emotional? Am I going to be the only one okay. on the listening ship then? I was, I was just joking, by the <laughs> I way. I really don't believe want. that. I know what you they do really want. Finding out what they want. Okay. So the number one, it's sort of a hybrid. That's true. That is listening. The number one skill, according to all of the articles, is preparation. That's what Uh, makes a negotiator the best negotiator is preparation. And in order to be a well-prepared negotiator, you have to ask a lot of questions. Now, the type of questions that we're going to ask as negotiators is the who, what, why, where, when questions. The questions we don't want to ask are anything that starts with a D, the did, does, do, do you like the color red? Well, what is that a yes, no question? Yes, it is a yes, no question, right? Did you go snowmobiling today? Yes, no question. It doesn't elicit a lot of conversation from Diesel Dave. If I'm over here trying to understand what his issue, I want to understand what buttons motivate him. I want to know what your interests are, Diesel Dave. What did you do today? What? <laughs> Who did you go with? How was it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything, who, what, why, where, when. In fact, this is a funny little You're thing. You're saying these are good things these to do? These are great yeah. questions yeah. to yeah. ask. Avoid because these. We want to be a prepared negotiator. And so, like Grandma said, we have twice as many ears as we do mouths, right? So we want to ask twice as many questions as we do speaking. Take time to understand the other person's perspective. You can't really be hurt in negotiation by hearing more information. More information is your tool. The more I know about Kenny, the more I know about what motivates him, what his deadlines are, and it gives me leverage now because I have information on Kenny that I can negotiate the better deal that I want. If I'm talking to a supplier for you, Heavy D, about you know, co-branding your stuff in Austria, Europe, right. and I know that they have no other you know, uh, brand co-branding deals or they have not a lot going on, the more I ask those questions and learn what motivates them, I can strike a better deal for you because I took time to ask them who, why, what, where, when. What's going so, on? Step one, who, why, where, who, what, why, where, when? That's it. There Get you the go. information. Get the information. Preparation. Be prepared. You're trying to be prepared. And you can be prepared not just by a conversation with, the, with your counterpart. And by the way, I call them counterparts for a reason. I don't call our, the people we negotiate with adversaries. I look at the people I negotiate with as teammates or counterparts. We're going to build something together. It doesn't have to be you lose Kenny and I win because I got the better end of the deal. We're going to see, we're going to create a space that we can both win as much as possible. I'm going to win more than you. Okay. <laughs> Cause we're negotiating and I'm, What's new? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to claim as most value as I can, <laughs> but I'm going to expand the pie. So we both get as much winning as possible. All right. So we want to expand the pie and claim a bigger piece of that pie. So preparation would be the number one step. We get prepared by doing research about our counterparts before they get to the negotiating table. Yep. Once they're at the negotiating table, we're asking who, what, why, where, when. We're just asking painfully a lot but of questions. But don't you feel like that's just a, that's some general good life advice? Even if you're not negotiating, be extracting information from people rather than constantly trying to talk their ear off. I mean, doesn't that what makes a good friend? Makes a good friend, makes a good romantic partner. So let's do this. Let's add that to the checklist because um, that's a that's a very powerful thing. And I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I can't remember who I was talking to, but some of the people that I enjoy talking to the most are the people that don't uh, 
really talk that much at all. They just listen to me and then they hear me out and they, they hit me with those valuable questions like, why do you feel like that? Or why do you feel like he did this? Or why do you think they did that? Like those are valuable conversations and they're the ones that I value the very most because I feel like they're genuinely like digesting and trying to understand my side of the story, my point of view. Um, and so, like you said, it, it you know, it's going to be healthy, uh, healthy with your spouse. It's going to be healthy with your friends. If you're the guy that runs around constantly telling people, talk, 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 and you don't have a lot of friends, there's that, that's your problem. Like I've got a friend. I love him <clears throat> to death. Totally love him. He's 38 and not married. Not holding that against anybody, but he has excellent A game. This guy can get any girl's phone number at any party. Excellent A game. But when it comes to B game, you're on the date with the girl, it's like crash and burn. It is night and day. I've been on lots of double dates with him. And the reason is he gets nervous, so he doesn't ask his date any questions. He just talks about himself the whole time. And he's not a selfish person. He just doesn't know how to engage at that level of conversation. And you're right. It's an interesting friend and a good friend. You walk away saying, oh, that was an engaging conversation. If you're asked questions, how did that make you feel, Heavy? What was important to you yeah. about that? You know, you walk away feeling good. And that's no different, but, you know, we're a little bit more calculating in, in negotiating. We are, in negotiations, we are asking these questions for our own benefit so that we can use that information as leverage to obtain what we really want in the negotiation. I've had those experiences in, in, in relationships and dating and, and asked so many questions before they ever asked me any. They almost felt vulnerable. They did feel vulnerable at the end of the date or whatever. They felt like I knew them so much and that we were so close. But there's a lot I of power in that. They knew nothing about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I genuinely was interested in asking them questions um, and really got to know them, but they never in return asked me any questions. But it really sparked a relationship in the sense that, you know, they felt like, oh, we really bonded. Well, yeah, I under, I know <laughs> you more bonded about with me. You. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we hit that because that's something that I was just thinking about either today or yesterday. I can't remember when, but it's it's what creates a good friend and a confidant is somebody that is not talking, somebody that you can talk to and and, and that you know um, they extract information. So that's valuable when it comes to negotiating. It just it's just valuable good life advice. So that is checklist item number two, guys. It's ask who, what, why, where, and when. Um, what, in whatever conversation you're having. Stop Avoid talking about D's. yourself. Avoid the D's. And the D's are... Uh, did did you, you, do you... And wh- why do you? Well, it, because they're, they're closed-ended questions. They always end in yes or no. Um, and so if you want to have a more rich conversation, the who, why, what, where, when forces people to give you real information. Not, oh, because not yes, no, yes, not no. Not yes, no, right. or I don't know. That makes sense. Right. I like that. Um, good. Let's hit. Let's try to find one more checklist item, um, and I want to continue down this road of talking about negotiations because all we talked about was step one. What other characteristics, what things do you need to be focused on while you're trying to convince somebody to do your deal? Okay. Um, again, big loaded question there, right. but another one that you need to know before you go in, because we're prepared negotiator. We are principled negotiators before we get to the day. We don't, we don't wing it when we get there. We need to know what our alternatives are. If I don't strike a deal with you, Kenny, at this table, what is my alternative? I'm going to go deal with another real estate investor, another real estate guru, another person to build out my basement or whatever. Kenny built my basement. It's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, and I finally saw it. (laughs) Good. So, you know, we want to know what our alternatives are. And the reason is when you get to the negotiating table, the blood's pumping, the adrenaline's going. And if you forget or don't know what your alternatives are, you can make, you can enter into a bad deal because we all want to make deals. We want to be deal makers, but we might enter into a deal that's worse than our alternatives. I might get talked into Kenny, you know, rehabbing my house house, 
when I've got another contractor bid for $20,000 cheaper than them just because I want to reach a deal. So, you know, when you get to that table, know what your alternatives are. If you're going the extra mile, want a gold star for me, know what your counterparts' alternatives are. Know that they don't have any work right now. They need your work. You know, try to find out that type of information. So what would you call that? If you, if you were going to simplify that, it's... Uh have an alternative? Know your alternatives. Yeah. And your counterparts. Yeah. Know you and your counterparts' alternatives. That's how it's simplified. Does that. that apply to life as well as negotiating? Well, I, th- I think negotiating is life. I mean, I, I'm going to Costa Rica for four days for a bachelor party and a destination cool. wedding. Yeah. It took some negotiating. Don't, don't think that didn't take some negotiating <laughs> for a minute, right? Yeah. And I blew it. I didn't ask the who, where, why, what questions. So I'll just give you that story. So I, I flew my wife's two sisters, not one, but two, two sisters to stay at my house for the week. I have a live-in nanny. So I'm thinking, okay, wife's covered. The kids are covered. And she said, I just can't believe you're going for this long. And I was like, honey, I go right to the solution. I don't ask her one W question. Right. I jump to, well, what's the problem? I have two sisters and a living nanny. You'll yeah. be good. And do you think I ended up in the doghouse? Sure yeah. did. Because I didn't take time to ask her those questions to validate those feelings. And she's pregnant. And she's pregnant. You had to throw me under the bus. Just that, like, yeah, no, I'm is. saying, I mean, maybe she, you that, know. Tr- pregnancy makes harder. negotiating a little more difficult. Amen, brother. Yeah, because the brains and stuff. The, the That's function, what I meant. Yeah. The brain. Yeah, the, the function slows down a the little bit on, 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 on all parts. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I love that. That's actually, that is a huge, uh, huge thing that I think a lot of us overlook is when you want to get, when you're trying to get something you want from somebody else, Try to figure out a way to give them what they want. I mean, it's not always going to work that you know, clean cut, but uh, like you said, you just need to validate the way she felt and hear her out. And sometimes that's uh, it's very simple. Like what the grandma wanted, all she wanted was for the man to pray to Jesus. Like it was such a simple solution, but sometimes we uh, either are ignorant to the fact that it could be a simple solution or we're afraid of what they could actually possibly want. And so we don't even want to like open that door. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head. I often will say like, well, what else can I do for you? You know, to my wife, if it's a situation like that, like, okay, let's say I flew in her sisters or whatever the situation, like she's not happy about the outcome. Well, what else can I do for you? Uh, you can easily, uh, beforehand talk yourself into like, oh gosh, what else is she going to ask? You know, but oftentimes it's just asking, well, nothing. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's just well, asking. What's interesting is my wife's position was, I don't want you to go to Costa Rica. That's the thing she's asking for. Okay. But what she, that's her position. Her real interest was she really just wanted to be heard. And if I took time to ask the what, how, why, where, when questions at the end of that conversation, she would have said, you know, I want you to go to Costa Rica. I want you to have fun. This was really good feeling like I was heard and validated. Okay, so it's a low-cost trade for me, a a short conversation, and I get to go to Costa Rica guilt-free. But I'm an idiot and didn't ask those questions. Now I have to go with this burden of abandoning my poor pregnant wife and going to Costa Rica. (laughs) There's a way to do it. And if you think about it, if you're deliberate about it, before you go pick your fight, you're going to be way better off. And it might not even be a fight. It might just be a true negotiation, and, it, and, and it'll work for both people. Mm-hmm. Your wife will be happy. You'll be on the way to Costa Rica. So, Cole, you, uh, you're a wealth of information um, and knowledge. I mean, really, for those of you who are listening, um, Cole is a very, very talented person, and he, uh, what I love about you is that you don't love being a lawyer. You love being <laughs> a deal maker. You love being somebody that can just put a deal together, whether it's you know helping us sell part of the company or helping us avoid a major EPA lawsuit. I mean, you've just you've done that those things really well. So find yourself a guy that's like Cole, which is very difficult. I'll tell you that right up front. 
but there are guys like you out there. There's lawyers who, who truly do care about more than just billing hourly. Um, they care about your business. And so, uh, you know, take that interview process, find that guy because, you know, they're out there. Um, real quick, though, to recap and uh, we'll wrap up the, the podcast. Completely unrelated, not legal related at all. I like to share. I love it when somebody, Kenny, in fact, this, uh, this, I'm going to give you a real life example. We went on a trip with Kenny and his family over New Year's. And they brought this snack, and, I, and we have like five minutes left with Cole. So um, they brought this snack, and they're called Popcorners. And I love it when people introduce me to great things. And so I want to introduce our listeners to this snack that Kenny's family introduced me to because I tried. He ate the whole bag. It was a big bag, the too. I'm talking like a, like a three-pounder. Costco. Um, Costco bag. There's nothing better than when somebody turns you on to something that you didn't know about that is actually really great. So uh, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity here to, to share something like that. But mine is um, go find this snack. It's called Popcorners. <laughs> And get the kettle corn kind, and it's the most delicious, and it's healthy, right? So good. It's yeah. good for you. You Low can eat calories. a whole bag. Popcorners, yeah. kettle corn flavor. Popcorns. You can get them on Amazon. I ordered like 15 boxes of them. They are freaking They're so good. So good. And I haven't met anybody who doesn't like them. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, and they have different flavors. So, um, Is that why my, aunt, my wife asked you about popcorners the other day? Probably, yes. They're, dude, they're amazing. <laughs> I never heard of them before. Like, are you getting paid for this? No, and that's the thing. Like, this, real. These are not paid ads. This is just me sharing... Like, can he share it with me? I fell in love. I don't like. The, I don't ever. I don't eat a lot of like snacky food like that. Like I like full meals. This is the one thing that like before bed, I'll eat a whole bag of them and not feel guilty. Like, do it. Give it a shot. Now, Cole, uh, I want you to share. In fact, anybody. I don't have to go in order. Oh, I already. I want you guys to is. share with us anything good that you feel like a listener could benefit from. I don't care if it's a good snack, a good song, a good band, whatever it is. Just give us some goodness that we can share with the listeners because there's nothing better than getting turned on to good advice. Anybody? Love that. Yeah, I got one. Okay, so we talked about this and we were talking on the phone last week and you were like, hey man, I really want to share some stuff on the podcast that like, you know, is different like cultural and music and stuff like that and 90% of the time if I was going to talk about music, my own personal flavor, what would it be? It's going to be punk. Punk rock music, right? Yeah. Yep. Today is not punk rock music, and I've kind of expanded my horizons, but I found this band that kind of just like, I don't know what it is, but it soothes my soul. Hmm. Like when I turn on that music, if I'm having a bad day, I will turn this band on, and instantly I can feel my like stress level go down. So I don't know if it's going to do it for everybody, so I would suggest finding a band like that, but for me, this band is called Judah and the Lion. Judah and the Lion. Judah and the Lion. What kind of music do you think it is? Wow. I would say it's more like a folk rockish type thing, but a really good band that just like puts me in the best mood. And so that may not be the band for you, but like honestly, when I'm having a bad day, it's Judah and the Lion. It's uplifting for you. It's it's so good for me. I love I that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Uh, Kenny, Diesel, Dave, or Cole, anybody have something you want to share? Just anything good in your life? One. I'll go, go ahead. I'll go, go ahead. ahead. So I have, I have five kids, and they're really little, actually, right now. Um, and I found that it's easy for me to hang out with my oldest kid, which is only seven. She just turned eight over the weekend. But one thing that's been really good and really fun for me to connect with my kids, and it just makes my whole week, is I take them on little dates. Little three-year-olds, little two-year-olds, just one-on-one, Cole and my little sparrow. and we're gonna daughter. Daddy-daughter. We're going to go to McDonald's. We're going to ice cream cone. We go to a, you take them to Walgreens to get a toy. I mean, you're not going to pay more than $10 for a toy. And it's like her whole world is made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't take time to do that. I'm trying to make it a priority so the kids don't just get lumped into each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
so that would be my one good thing. So I'm, to be specific, yeah. you single your kids out and spend time one-on-one. One-on-one time with your kids. And it could be a 30-minute little little date. We call them dates. And you have yep. seven kids? We have five kids. Five one, kids. On, one on the way. Twelve. <laughs> um, one-on-one time with your kids. And, and you're right. I like, I like that, that because it, like your time does get, you got four kids. Yeah. Like sometimes you just lump them all into the car and that's family time. Well, but, and, and the other thing too is, you know, I've got two older ones that ride dirt bikes and I like to ride dirt bikes. So I find myself doing a lot of that. Yep, I yeah. could really see that if I took the two younger ones out, then my two daughters, and took them when I could see their eyes lighting up right now. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's great advice. I love it. Uh, anything else? I was actually going to go down that same path, but I only have one kid, so I don't really have to separate my time. I have, well, I have two. You have two. But she's four months old, so I don't really. Oh, take, she's not going to know what alone time is. I don't right take now. Piper yeah. on dates. Sailor yeah. gets spoiled. I bring her down. We drive the forklift. I'll yeah. take her in the Razor. She'll drive. Um, but actually what I want to talk about is when you suggested that you should shut your phone off or not shut your phone off, but don't pay attention to your phone for the first 30 minutes of the day and for the last 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've been really focusing on doing that. And you get some quality time with your kids in the morning, right. making them breakfast, doing whatever you got to do with your kids, and also when you put them to bed. Yeah. You just put your phone down. So. Yep. Breakfast time. Because like like you're just with them, the focused on it. So I like that one. So yeah. something I've been enjoying lately, uh, and, and so you guys all touched on family, I'll do the same, but um, I've been listening to this as I take my daughter to school in the morning. It is Art Williams' Just Do It speech. Go to YouTube, look up Art you actually just sent that Williams. To me. I did just send it to you. I shared it with you guys. Uh, just Do It speech. It is simple. It is the best. There's a five-minute version, a 20-minute one, but it breaks down. You just got to do it. You know, stop whining about this or whining about that. Just do it. And it was amazing. As my kids have picked up on it, they started saying it to each other. You know, we, we, we had them cleaning up the living room or something. And uh, <laughs> uh, my oldest daughter was complaining. And my younger son was like, just do it. Just do it. And it was the best. It was priceless. So um, I tried to apply it in my life, shared it with uh, my employees, coworkers, uh, loved ones, friends, everyone. So I love it. I love stuff. it. Well, Cole, uh, thank you for being with us. You've got a flight to catch. We've got to get you out the door. Uh, before I do that, I just want to hit everybody with a real quick recap that checklist item number one is find a business-minded attorney and like interview them. Don't be afraid to talk to 10 different attorneys, 20 different attorneys until you find the one that you know vibes with you and you got a good feeling about them. Number two, ask who, what, why, where, and when in life, in negotiating, in everything, because that's going to provoke people to give you real answers, real information, rather than yes, no. Number three, know your alternatives. That goes for life as well as business. Um, Know what your options are if you're not going to be able to make somebody happy or close the deal or whatever it is, all right? Then in the random grab bag of goodness of just good advice that we want to share with you, number one, go find the popcorners snack. Uh, the kettle corn flavor is my favorite. <laughs> yum, yum, You're yum, going to thank yum. me later, I promise you. Number two, uh, take a listen to Judah and the Lion. And you guys got to remember, this is not a paid endorsement. We're not getting no. paid to, to mention yeah. this stuff. These are just things that we enjoy. Good vibes. And maybe you like them, maybe you won't. If you don't, great. Move on. Next week, we'll have another list for you. Number three, Cole, I love this one. And this is probably a bigger, heavier checklist item. But one-on-one time with your kids. Find a time to take each one of your kids and do an individual experience with them rather than just lumping them all together. It will, like do wonders for your family relationship and your family life. And uh, the last one from Kenny is Art Williams, Just Do It Speech on YouTube. Look it up, listen to it, and enjoy it. That's all the time we have for this week. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for all the uh, reviews and the ratings. And we're moving right back up the list. I think I just checked. We're like number five in business right now. And we're sliding up the charts literally every single day. We want that number one spot. We want to keep that number one spot. And the only way we can do that is 
with the support from you guys as the listeners. So thank you so much. We'll see you next week.